Turn to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10. As we contemplate the power of words. And uh, last time we had opportunity to look at the first Roman numeral in the outline, which was the power of words heard. And uh, very important for us to understand that we are influenced by what we hear. That, uh, that, and we need to be very careful about the things we listen to. In fact, uh, there's a story told about the Greek philosopher uh, so- Socrates. He seemed to understand the power of words heard, and he was very careful what he listened to. And, and here's how the story went. An acquaintance met him, and he said, Socrates, do you know what I just heard about your friend? And Socrates replied, wait. Wait, before telling me anything, I'd like you to pass a little test. It's called the triple filter test. Triple filter, that's right, Socrates continued. Before you talk to me about my friend, it might be a good idea to take a moment and filter what you're going to say. The first filter, he said, is truth. Have you made absolutely sure that what you're about to tell me is true? Um, no, the man said. Actually, I just heard about it, and all right, said Socrates. So you don't really know if it's true or not. So let's try the second filter, the filter of goodness. Is what you're about to tell me about my friend something good? Uh, No, on the contrary. So, Socrates continued, you want to tell me something bad about him, but you're not certain it's true. Uh, You must still uh, pass the test, though, because there's one filter left, the filter of usefulness. Is is what you want to tell me about my friend going to be useful to me? No, not really. Well, concluded Socrates, if you want to tell me something that's neither true nor good or even useful, why tell it to me at all? What a great way to deal with gossip, isn't it? And it also reveals a keen understanding of the fact that your words are powerful. And what you listen to impacts you. And quite honestly, a lot of friendships have been hurt and relationships ruined because people have listened to things they had no business listening to. And whether it's gossip or any other, th- any other matter, what you hear influences your life. Uh, This evening, though, we have opportunity to move on to Roman numeral 2 and hopefully 3. We'll see. Uh, But uh, let's look at the power of words spoken now. In Proverbs chapter 10, in fact, this is the one that uh, first started, uh, if you would, this, this study on the tongue because Proverbs 10 has eight or so verses that use the word tongue or mouth or speech in some way. And verse 11 says this, the mouth of the righteous man is a well of life. And we'll start there, the power of words spoken. Understand that the things you say can be a well of life. Words spoken can be a well of life. The words used there are beautiful because they... Talk about the, the, the mouth of the righteous man being a source of water that brings life. Okay, um, Someone explained it this way, streams of living water. Uh, John Gill said somewhat the same thing when he said, the mouth can be like a fountain of living water, continually running and flowing with water, wholesome, reviving, and refreshing. 
So the righteous man's mouth out of the abundance of his heart overflows with good things which minister grace to the hearers and for, are for the use of edifying. Things that are pleasant and profitable, grateful and acceptable, comforting, refreshing and pleasing. And they tend to the good of life that now is and that which is to come. Uh, and so God tells us in this passage that, look, your mouth can be like a well of, of life. Uh, now, we also know, and we'll mention this in a few moments, that it can be the other side as well. But take a moment to look at Proverbs. Keep your place, because we're going to... Actually, Proverbs 10 and 18 are two that go back and forth a little bit. So let's look at chapter 18 as well, as you still keep your place there. Uh, and in Proverbs chapter 18... Uh, we find in, uh, let's see, verse 4, these words. The words of a man's mouth are as deep waters and the wellspring of wisdom as a flowing brook. So it gives us somewhat the same idea and uses this picture of, of flowing waters, of fresh waters, of clean waters. Um, and it's interesting, is it not, that in the New Testament, Writers thousands of years later would also reference salt water and fresh water when talking about this member and how it speaks to things that are either refreshing or things that are detrimental. And so we need to always understand that. I, I'll tell you what, I, I always am thankful, or I always was when I was hiking in the woods for refreshing, cool uh, water. You know, we would always start out with a nice, you know, uh, canteen. Uh, you got to carry water when you're hiking with, and with a backpack, 60-pound pack or whatever, and going up a mountain. And, uh, and, you know, we would find after a very short period of time, we had it frozen before we went, that uh, in the heat of the summer months, and it wouldn't be all that satisfying. It would meet the need, but it wouldn't be satisfying. And one of the great blessings being on a, a hike out in the woods uh, where there's nothing, you know, no fountains and no... No uh, places you can turn on water and get a drink is when you come to a stream and you get that cold, refreshing water. You could splash on your face. You could drink uh, as, until you're satisfied. And so God says our tongue can be like that. Um, but we also have to understand the other side. And you're in Proverbs chapter 18, uh, the very familiar verse we brought out at the start of our study last week. When we learn these words in verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It can bring death. It can destroy. It is that powerful. Um, we've already talked about the fact that a death sentence given by a jury, a judge, could end a life. But the fact of the matter is your mouth can destroy lives without a judge or jury. Um, and that the mouth has ruined many a life. It's ruined people's testimony. It's ruined people's lives to the point where some people have even taken their life because someone had a loose tongue and said something they had no business saying or should have never said. So the tongue can be not only a refreshing, if you would, fountain that's a well of life, but it can also be a tool of destruction. Never forget that. I don't know about you, but I've, I've said this plenty of times. I've opened my mouth and I've inserted my foot. And usually when I say that, it means that I use my tongue in a way that I shouldn't have used it. Maybe I hurt someone. Maybe I said something I should, that shouldn't have been said. And so we need to understand the power of, 
our words. Look in uh, chapter 18 and verse 17, or 7, I'm sorry. A fool's mouth is what? His destruction. And then he goes on and he says, his lips are a snare of his soul. So look, your, your tongue can be used to destroy other lives, but don't forget this, your tongue can also be used to destroy your own life and bring ruin to yourself. And many a man has, uh, has done that as well. Uh, I told you to keep your place. Go back to chapter 10 and verse 11, where we said the mouth of the righteous is a well of life. Yes, but we didn't read the other part. Violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Look at the end of verse 6. Because the end of verse 6 says something that sounds familiar, doesn't it? After we just got done that. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. Twice in this one chapter, Solomon brings out that fact that the tongue can destroy. Uh, look, if you would, at verse 14. Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is what? Near destruction. So we've got this picture very clearly, and we need to understand that, uh, that the, the negative aspect is very true of the tongue. In fact, time would run out if we tried to use every verse in Proverbs that talk about a tongue destroying, because there are various ways it's brought out. Uh, in fact, our next study is going to be, the, if you would, the negative side of the tongue and a perverse tongue, and some indications of a perverse tongue and different kinds of a perverse tongue. And um, since we have the power of the tongue, we got to look at the perverse tongue. And then we're going to look at the profitable tongue. See, I told you, we're going to do a study on the tongue here. Uh, so I got 200 verses to get through. But if we looked at all of those, we would run out of time this evening to understand that the tongue can be a tool for negative things, for positive things. So listen, listen. Um, understand this. Even with your kids, your tongue can change a life. You can encourage them in that which is right, whether it's with your family or whatever, or it can destroy. It can destroy a marriage, or it can bring a marriage together. It's how you use it. And so the question for us this evening is, is the question last time is, are you careful little ears what you hear? Today, it's, are you careful little mouth what you say, as the song goes? And are you watching... And are you alert to the fact that your tongue is either lifting people up, it's a tool to, to bring that well of life, or tearing people down? And uh, so often in the Proverbs, so often in the Bible, God talks about that uh, subject. And it's a fair question then. Are, are your words uplifting, aiding people, bringing people together, or inciting uh, evil and hurt? And... Um, you know, politics is, is mostly about uh, inciting evil and hurt. It's, it's sad. It's become that. But that's the way things are. And we need, to, uh, we need to just understand the power of our words. Now let's look at the third point as far as the power of words. And, and this may sound like an interesting one, but it's in chapter 10 and verse 19. So someone read that for me, would you? All right, so we have the power of words heard. We have the power of words spoken. We have the power of words restrained. The power of words restrained. You know me, I'm just one that speaks my mind. 
Um, you ever hear those words from someone? And uh, usually they're justifying the fact that they said something really, really inappropriate um, and out of line and shouldn't, shouldn't have been spoken. But you know, they're just, that's just the way they are. And in essence, a lot of times when that statement is made or something like it, they're admitting, I'm a sinful person. You say, really? Yes. Because God says in the multitude of words, there doesn't lack. That's the idea. There doesn't lack sin. You know, there's plenty of sin in a lot of words. And so a wise person learns to control it and be very careful. Um, so uh, let's say first about, about words restrained on, based on 1019 is words spoken without thought are often sinful words. And I've been there and done that so many times um, in life, and I would suspect you could probably say the same. We don't want to admit those stories, but there are, there are plenty of them where uh, we said things and, what, and when we didn't know the facts or we didn't know all the information and we got ourselves in trouble. And the power of words restrained, controlling this member is really important. Um, here, look if you would at chapter, uh, let's go on to chapter 13. And we'll actually walk back a chapter in, in a few moments. But chapter 13, and in verse 3, we learn this truth again in a different way. So someone read that. All right, now, you might say, well, that's about words spoken. That's true. But it's also talking about refraining your words here. You keep your mouth, and what are you going to do? All right, you're going to save yourself from trouble. A mouth, a, mouth, blah, blah, blah. a mouth kept is a life saved. All right? At least that's what God says and brings out here in chapter 13 and verse 3. Uh, if you go back to chapter 12, 13, uh, notice this. The wicked is snared by the transgression of his lips, but the just shall come out of trouble. Um, so chapter 12 and verse 13 kind of brings the negative aspect that if you don't keep your mouth, you're going to get in trouble. Um, look in chapter 12, and, and there's a lot of different ways we could bring this out, but look at verse 14. A man shall be satisfied with good by the fruit of his mouth. Uh, and so if we're careful about what we say and we weigh our words and we keep our mouth, we can save ourselves again from a lot of trouble in life. In fact, uh, we said he that keepeth his mouth in chapter 13, verse 3. Go back to 13, 2. And what does God say? <laughs> Have you ever had to eat your words? Isn't that what the verse is talking about somewhat? Okay. Uh, you, you, your words come back to you, you got to eat them. And, uh, and that is uh, often what happens. And so words restrained are in uh, very important. Someone told a story, told a story about seeing, they saw a movie called A Christmas Story. It's about uh, um, a boy named Ralphie who grew up in Gary, Indiana. And it kind of gives us the story of, of life from this boy's perspective. And anyway, uh, one scene in the, in the movie depicts a school recess in the middle of winter. And, and these boys are all around this, this um, 
uh, this flagpole, and they were discussing whether a person's tongue would stick to a metal pole in freezing weather, and it happened to be freezing weather. Well, eventually, one of the boys succumbs to the infamous triple dog dare, and he hesitantly, he sticks his tongue out, touches it to the school flagpole, and sure enough, it gets stuck. The recess bell rings, everyone runs into the school except for this victim. I can't do anything about it. When the teacher finally looks out the window wondering where he is, she sees this boy writhing in pain. His tongue is frozen to the flagpole. And the preacher who told the story said this, while few of us have been in that predicament, <laughs> you, you didn't do that, did you? Come on. All right. We all know what it's like to have our tongues get us into trouble. And then he shared Proverbs chapter 21. So take a moment and turn there, would you? And the same truth is taught about a tongue restrained where it says, Whoso keepeth his mouth, verse 23, I'm sorry. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue, keepeth his soul from trouble. And uh, may we understand the power of a tongue restrained. And so, um, a word spoken without thought are often sinful. A mouth kept is a life saved. The third thing is found in Proverbs chapter 17. Proverbs chapter 17. And here's the truth. Wise people learn when to speak and when not to speak. Look at verse 27 and 28. He that hath knowledge spareth his words. And a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool when he holdeth his peace. His counted wives. You know, you know, someone that you know to be a fool and, and everyone would call a fool and everyone would understand as a fool. If he does learn to keep his mouth shut, there are times where they would say, you know what, that was pretty wise. That was pretty smart. Uh, they tell us President Abraham Lincoln had, uh, was a very effective stump speaker, but he spoke very little and often not well when he became president. And you'd say, well, why? Well, because when he spoke impromptu, he often, as we said before, put his foot in his mouth, and he began to limit himself to set speeches. In fact, he admitted in Pittsburgh as president-elect, he said, I'm rather inclined to silence, and whether that be wise or not, it is at least more unusual nowadays to find a man who can hold his tongue than to find one who cannot. And one person that heard him speak said this about him. He sometimes stopped for repairs before finishing a sentence. Uh, and so in his stump speaking days, he would talk amusing to the audience and he made effective use of dramatic gestures. But as president, he was stiff and, and he read from a manuscript. In fact, his public remarks were often touched up as, as all presidents are. And they were made more eloquent by those who helped. They didn't have speech writers, but the, those that were secretaries and others helped him with that. And so uh, one time he read this seamless transcript. He got to the end of it and he said, well, those are my views. If I said anything on the subject, I must have said substantially that, but not nearly so well as that. In other words, that what they wrote for him was far better than the way he said it, but he meant the same thing. You know, basically, that's the idea. In fact, uh, they say just before his great speech at Gettysburg, Lincoln was asked by the crowd to speak, and he said, 
in my position, it's somewhat important that I should not say any foolish things. And a voice in the audience said, if you can help it. And Lincoln replied, it very often happens that the only way to help it is to say nothing at all. Uh, in other words, Lincoln learned to restrain his words. And, and let me tell you something, that is a quality that many people don't have. Um, the power of the tongue. It's not just the power of the tongue to, to influence nations, to move people, to do the right kind of things, to be that well of life, the words spoken. Let me tell you something. There's power in words heard, and we have to be careful what we hear. And there's power as well in refraining our tongue and sometimes just not saying anything at all. Have you ever learned that? Have you sometimes kept your mouth and you were glad you did? Because maybe you found out later on you, spoke, you were going to speak and say something that you shouldn't have said. And so God in his word in Proverbs talks about numerous ways in which our words have power. Power of words heard, words spoken, and words not spoken, restrained. And may we be well-pleasing to the Lord because we control this member that James eloquently talks about in James 3 and that Solomon talked about over and over and over and over and over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs. And as we continue our study and we look at the various aspects and the wrong kind of tongue and the right kind of tongue, may, um, may our hearts and may our lives be uh, struck with the importance of what we do with this small member that can create great problems in life or great blessing, depending on how it's used. Father, thank you for the time you've given.